Well, I understand you've been having some uh, very interesting times in your discussion. That's good. Uh, I don't have all the answers to those things either. So uh, it's good to get into the Word of God, trying to find out what the Scriptures have to say. And we'll have a variety of opinions, differing opinions. That's fine, too. Uh, that song, uh, let's see, uh, the first one we sang, Psalm 48 and 63 and so forth. Uh, uh, Raleigh taught that to our camp years ago, and I've, it stuck with me, and I really appreciate that one. And even when it comes to raising your hands, I'm convinced that you should pray with hands lifted up. That's scriptural, of anything. It can be embarrassing at times, and you may look like a charismatic, but that's okay, too. <laughs> Lynn, you can do it. So let's begin with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word that we can learn from you. Open up our hearts that we may attend to your law and be fit vessels for your use. Fill us with that word and by your Holy Spirit. For Jesus' sake, amen. I'm going to do something different tonight. I had another message prepared. But somebody asked me a question this morning, and I got inspired. So I wrote something else this afternoon. Say, so, uh, you're my guinea pigs on this one. Somebody asked the question. Londa asked the question. Might as well fess up. Londa asked the question about humor and the Bible. So I want to talk about humor in the Bible. You know, the subjects we've been talking about are real heavy, you know. Dispensationalism and covenant theology, that can get real heavy. And maybe the other things we've been talking about. So I thought, let's take a break and see what God's Word has to say about humor. Turn in your Bibles to John 16. A few verses in John 16, and then we'll talk, turn to Psalm 115. John 16. It's about laughter. I'll try to be as dignified as possible to this. John 16, start with verse 20. John 16, 20. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. Ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour has come. But when she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. And ye, therefore, now have sorrow. But I will say unto you again, I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no more is taken away from you. And in that day ye shall ask me no question, verily I say unto you, if you'll ask anything of the Father, he will give it unto you in my name. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be made full. Somebody in my Sunday school class a few uh, months ago asked me about laughter in the Bible. Are there any jokes in the Bible? Any jokes in the Bible? 
Now, there are a lot of people that make jokes about the Bible. We're not supposed to make jokes about the Bible. What? But is there humor in the Bible? There's the riddles of Samson. Technically, they're not jokes, but they're a, they were a kind of Hebraic joke that he played on people, kind of a, more of a practical joke idea. But is there humor in the Bible? Is there laughter in the Bible? Does Jesus ever laugh? Now, he's described as the man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He's called the man of sorrows. Did he ever laugh? Any of his sermons? Are there any jokes sprinkled throughout there? There are some Christians that think that, you know, laughter may be something that's just out of the Christian life. I don't know whether any of you may think that, but some of us live like that for sure. As though when you become a Christian, the laughter leaves. Now, in our church, for membership, we take lessons on how to be dull. If you're going to be Presbyterian. I remember, I started out in Cerritos Chapel, the Cerritos Church. Uh, when was it? Back in 71. And we met in the mortuary. <laughs> you're laughing, right? You weren't supposed to laugh because it was, there, my father's the Baptist minister. See, what happens? Dead Presbyterians. That's where they're going to meet, in a, in a mortuary. Well, there is a passage. Now, I'm going to give you a lot of passages to deal with. So, this is Bible drill as well. What about God's laughter? Does God ever laugh? Yes, the Bible talks about God's laughter. Psalm 2. You can't look them all up. You can write them down. Look them up later on. God is described as laughing. Not at jokes either. He's serious in his laughter. Watch out in the Bible when God laughs. We better tremble. Psalm 2, verse 4. He that sits in the heavens, what? Will laugh. The Lord will have them in derision. Then he will speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Well, if that's the kind of laughter that God has, boy, I hope he never laughs at me. Watch out when God laughs. He has you in derision. That's pretty powerful. The other passages that talk about God's laughing too. And it doesn't seem like that laughter has any joy in it. It's something that the wicked better be fearful of and the righteous ought to take seriously too. And when the wicked are in control, God still laughs. What about laughter in the Bible? Well, not only do we see God laugh, but also the wicked laugh. The wicked are mocking. Look at Psalm 22. The wicked seem to do a lot of laughing. It seems like that's the only ones that do really laugh are the wicked. We don't seem to be able to laugh. By and large. Psalm 22 talks about the wicked. Psalm 22, verse 7. Now this is a prophecy concerning Christ. And how, when they look on Christ, all they that see me laugh, laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. You know how to shoot out your lip now. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head. They mock. Commit thyself unto Jehovah. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, seeing he delights in him. And so forth. It's a mockery. And this is in reference to the death of Christ. Now that they laughed and mocked at him. Another psalm, Psalm 40. Look at Psalm 40. 
Psalm 40, verse 15. We'll get to Psalm 115 after a while. Psalm 40, verse 15. Let them be desolate by reason of their shame that say unto me, Aha, aha. Now, you don't kind of pick up that. That's laughter. You know, that's the way the Hebrews wrote it down. Aha, aha. When the wicked say, aha, aha, that's, it's a mockery. Ha, ha, yeah. See, now you don't read it. Ha, ha, it's kind of tough. It's just aha, aha. But it's that mocking laughter. Uh, one more text along the same lines. Psalms. Psalm 70. There's a number of psalms. I'm just picking arbitrary ones now. Psalm 70. Psalm 70, verse 4. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let, let such as love thy salvation say continually, let God be magnified. No, that's not it. Three, sorry. Let them be turned back by reason of their shame that say, aha, aha. And then the counterpart is that is, is our rejoicing. Let all those that seek thee rejoice. Okay. Now, when you hear the expression rejoicing, joy, cheer, it doesn't come across as, uh, as a laughter idea. But we'll get into that in a minute. The wicked are the ones that laugh at the righteous. They're the ones that mock the righteous, deride the righteous. You want to see the first mocking song? Genesis chapter 4. Here's the first mocking song. Genesis chapter 4. Verse 23 and 24. This is the song, as it were, of Lamech. It's kind of a mockery. It's kind of a, a humorous thing. Uh, we don't look upon it as funny, but Lamech, the point was Lamech did. Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, I'd laugh at that too. Hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Hearken to my speech, for I have slain a man for wounding me and a young man for bruising me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. You see, and it's kind of mocking. If Cain's going to be avenged, and he only killed one person, and I killed more, boy, I'm going to be really avenged. Wow, it's kind of a mockery sound. It's almost mocking God's justice. The wicked laugh. They don't have anything really to laugh about. And what I did was I started to trace uh, the various laughters in the Bible. God's laughing them into derision as well as the wicked laughing. It talks about the next, the next event in the book of Genesis is Noah and the flood. And where's the laughter in Noah and the flood? Well, in the New Testament, it describes the times of Noah and the flood. Matthew 24 describes the times. As it, as it will be in the days of the Son of Man, so it was in the days of Noah. And what were they doing in the days of Noah? They were eating and drinking and giving in marriage and so forth. Well, it doesn't say the word laughter, but the idea is merriment. You know, could care, care less about reality and care less about serious things. It's kind of they're oblivious of judgment. There's almost a laughter involved with that without necessarily the, the, the normal brouhaha. But God brings judgment on them. The next stage of laughter, God bringing laughter in the book of Genesis. After the flood, start all over again. Great. 
Man gets together. What does man do now? As one nation, as one tongue, he starts to build the city, he starts to build the tower. And the tower is going to reach to heaven. And God says what? I'll deal with them. I'll confuse them. I'll give them foreign languages. And it's almost humorous. Not like a normal joke, but it's almost God's joke on them. And he gives them varieties of languages. Confusion. God laughs at them. Laughs them into derision. And they're divided. And all he did was give them a bunch of foreign languages. All the way through Scripture, you see that mockery and laughter of the wicked mocking the righteous. You see that with the case of Ishmael and Isaac. Turn to Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael and Isaac, 21. Genesis 21, verse 9. Genesis 21. 21, verse 8 and 9. Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael and Isaac. Genesis 21, verse 8. And Ishmael was the older son, about what, 14, 15 years old, somewhere around there. And Isaac, who was a lot, lot younger. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on that day that, that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born unto Abraham. What's the word there? Mocking. And there's kind of a laughter involved with that mocking, ridiculing. <laughs> Look at him. He thinks he's going to be the son. I'm the firstborn. <laughs> he's mocking. Literally, it means he's playing. Some translations may say he's playing. But God doesn't kick out or God doesn't tell Abraham to kick out Ishmael because the kids are playing with each other. They're not just playing with each other. Ishmael's mocking, he's laughing, and that's the idea of, that's the kind of playing that's going on. As a matter of fact, Ishmael's not doing a whole lot different than his mother did Hagar a few years earlier. Remember, 15 some odd years earlier, it was Hagar that conceived and not Sarah. And it was Hagar that was mocking her mistress, and she was laughing at that time, mocking her mistress. And lo and behold, her son picks up on that. Ishmael picks up on that. Parents, watch out what you laugh at. The kids pick up that laughter. You start mocking. Well, even, if it's a, even if it's a humorous kind of a thing, you start mocking. Mocking God's Word and God's people and God's church. The kids do pick that up. They hear you at lunchtime. Who do you have for lunch? So we have roast congregation in our church. <laughs> and they have roast pastor. But be very careful. The kids learn... They pick up that attitude that you have. You may be a faithful, loyal member to the Church of Jesus Christ and you go to every service, but the kids pick up that little streak of meanness when you talk about so-and-so. And don't be surprised that if your children, the second generation, stop going to church and get embittered altogether. Why, well, I taught them to go all the time. I trained them. I did it. I was a good example to them. And yet I was mocking too. I had that little laughter going on. The kids pick that up. The second generation gets far more consistent than the first generation and they quit. You know, we have situations in our church like that. The second generation of OPCers is gone. Well, they don't know why. But lo and behold, there was this subtle mockery 
taking the church of Jesus Christ apart. Ishmael picked that up from his mother. You also see it in uh, Israel. Turn to First Chronicles chapter, First Corinthians chapter ten. First Corinthians chapter ten. Here's the next stage. First Corinthians chapter ten. Here's a description of what went on with Israel in the wilderness. Verse six. Now this is given as a warning. They, what they experienced was a warning to the church in the New Testament age. First Corinthians chapter ten, verse six. Now these things were our examples to the intent. We should not lust after evil things as they lusted. Neither be idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to play and to drink and sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Now my version says play. Anybody have anything different? Verse 7. What's your say? Dance. dance is what the Old Testament says. Yeah, okay. The Old Testament uses the word dance as well. Mine says play. Pagan revelry. Yeah, that's probably the closer to the idea. I mean, this is the idea again. This is the same word used for Ishmael mocking Isaac. You see that all the way through, the mockery of the wicked against the righteous. And here's the word. I have the word play. They rose up to play. Big deal. Why should God destroy them? Because this was a mockery going on. They were mocking God, the true and the living God, and God destroyed those. These are church people, as it were. Covenant people mocking God. Was an awful picture there. Uh, we had an incident as well, and, and you, you've experienced this. I, I imagine some of you, not all of you, have experienced that. When you've tried to give a witness for Christ, and the one you're talking to just, oh no, and they start to mock you, laugh at you, maybe in front of your face, maybe behind your back. Ah, oh, here he comes, watch out. Well, they did a TV show on us. The Reverend and his organ. And you can imagine what they did with the reverend and his organ. This was our case with the organist and all this other kind of stuff. And boy, they spent a half an hour on that one on TV. We talked to our lawyers about it. They said, don't worry, you can't sue them. won't do any good. You know, they'll apologize and that'll be the end of it. But boy, the, the wicked love to find opportunities to laugh at the righteous. And what's going on with PTL? The wicked are laughing. They love it. The more, the better. Well, what do we have to laugh about with all this going on, right? Seems like they're doing all the laughing. What about us? Don't we have something to laugh about? Yes, we do have something to laugh about. Very much so. I mean, a sincere laughter, but very much a laughter that's presented in Scripture. And I want to deal with the humor that God places in His Word, not the, not the humor that derides them unto destruction. There's an element of that. But a real joyful laughter. Ha ha ha, joyful laughter, too. In the stories of Scripture. First one I go back to again. Go back to Genesis. Yes. Turn again. Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. We mentioned this yesterday, I think. The case of laughter of the righteous. And you know, the, the scenario, the story, is that Sarah's supposed to have a child at 90 years old. God has a promise. He has a seed. And every time it seems like the first time he started the creation, Adam fell. Plunk. People sin. The whole world gets corrupt. So we'll destroy them all. Start all over again with a new bunch of people. Noah, he gets 
to trouble and it degenerates from then on. And then comes the Tower of Babel, sinful again. And it seems like every time God creates the world, starts all over again, that the people degenerate. But now he's going to bring in a seed to start the world all over again. And it's not going to happen again. And he's going to do it through a woman. And he's going to do it through a 90-year-old lady. Dear lady. 90 years old. And I, and Jehovah says, she is going to be with child. And the case is, Sarah laughs. Look at this verse uh, 11, uh, Genesis 18:11. You know this verse. It's not unfamiliar. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. That is, she couldn't have kids. And Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? I mean, it's not just me, it's him too, you know. <laughs> it does take two. Jehovah says to Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? The prophet said, Why did Sarah laugh? That's what I mean. Shall I saying, sure, shall I of a surety bear a child when I am old? Then the response is, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the set time I will return unto thee when the season comes round and Sarah shall have a son. This is ridiculous. It's almost sound you pick up this humorous thing that God's going to do something different. Wonderful. The word was, uh, some translations say God will do a hard thing. It can also be translated God's going to do a wonderful thing. He's going to bring in the seed through a 90-year-old lady. It's incredible. Who's going to get the last laugh? And sure enough, turn to chapter... Uh, what's the next chapter I'm in? She has the child. Chapter 21. Chapter 21. At first, there's a little bit of cynicism in that laughter she has in chapter 18. I don't know whether she laughed a whole lot over the past nine, the next nine months. Wasn't real funny. You could imagine her talking to Abraham. Don't you dare smile. <laughs> He's probably proud of the whole thing. You can imagine. My kid. This is my kid. God brought it to pass. He's probably proud, yeah. I don't know what she was doing. Maybe she wore lots of clothes. You can imagine, lots of clothes. Or maybe she was proud of it. Uh, chapter 21, verse uh, 4. Start reading there. And Abraham circumcised his son Yitzhak, or Isaac, when he was eight days old, as God had commanded. Abraham was a hundred years old, and his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh. Now her laughter is no longer cynicism. It's come to pass. Ha! I have a child. Hagar. I had the child at 90. Now, what do you think of a, a mature lady having a child at 90? Uh, Women having children at 45, boy, you say, boy, right on, lady. 50 years old, right on. 60, well. But at 90, yes, I had a child at 90. Boy, there's something to this lady. And she laughs. She has the last laugh on Hagar. And 
Sarah said, God has given me laugh to laugh. Everyone that hears will laugh with me, not laugh at me. And they suddenly laugh. The wicked will laugh at her, but the righteous will laugh with her. His name is Yitzhak, Isaac. And Isaac means what? Laughter, the laughing one. He's given the name, the laughing one, you see. And the people of God are described by their fathers. We're described by the name of our father, Abraham, you see. We're described by our father Yitzhak, Isaac, too. We have the name of our father on us. That's why we're called Christians. Because we're the anointed ones. We have the name Christian. And so we carry the name of Christ wherever we go. See, in the Old Testament, when it talked about the fact that you would live forever, not only did that mean that you'd go to heaven and be with Jesus and so forth, but that the, the father would live on in the son and the grandson, the great-grandson, and blah, 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 all the way down. It would continue to live. Abraham would continue to live in Yitzhak and Yaakov and all the other sons. Abraham would continue to live. And they would be given the name of Abraham. They were given the name of Isaac, the laughing one. See, that's how we are. That's who the covenant people are. Really, the covenant people are the laughing ones. Uh, they were given other names as well. Why are we called the laughing ones? Because the righteous get the last laugh. God gets the victory. It's amazing how God gets the victory. And you look back in the providence of God and you want to laugh because you were mad at the time. And you want to kick yourself at the time. And God was, and Moses was furious with Israel going off and doing their thing with the golden caps and all that other kind of stuff. But God works it out. God controls all that. Let me give an incident in the life of Jacob. Uh, Jacob uh, flees, you know, from uh, his brother Esau because of all the trouble. He tricked his brother. And he runs off to Uncle Laban, spends some time with Uncle Laban, falls in with his cousin, falls in love with his cousin Rachel. And has to work. And Laban says, okay, you put in seven years and I'll give it to your wife. And Jacob says, fine, I'll do it. It's been seven years. And finally, it's the time. This is Genesis chapter 29. Turn to Genesis 29. Let me recount the story to you. And it's the wedding night. This is the wedding time. He'd been waiting for seven years. This is it. This is fantastic, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Dreaming and all that stuff. I waited, Donna and I waited a year. That was bad enough. Seven years. Oy. And uh, the story goes on. It says, at night, Uncle Laban switches. And he takes his older daughter, Leah. That wasn't the one that Jacob loved. But it was Leah, the firstborn, the older daughter. And it says that Laban took Leah over here and switched them. Jacob doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't. And they do the normal thing which uh, newlyweds do. And Jacob wakes up in the morning. Ah! Leah, uh, the, the idea that comes across with the name Leah is that they, uh, it also could be translated, she was tender-eyed. Now, some people say tender-eyed means cross-eyed. <laughs> I don't know whether it means cross-eyed. 
I think it tenderizes cow eyes, you know? Cows have nice big huge eyes, or puppy dogs nice big eyes. She, was that she was cross-eyed, and you look at that, you fellas, you've dated a girl before. Whether she was cross-eyed or not, she really wasn't the greatest thing in the world. You said, she's a nice girl. <laughs> you hope it's not God's will that you have to marry her, you know? You want to you keep, keep somebody that's, that's beautiful, too. At least when you get mad at them, you can always say they're beautiful. <laughs> he wakes up in the morning Jacob Laban had played Laban had played the joke on Jacob and Jacob goes oh nice man. what am I doing with this girl he said and really this is a, it's an appropriate marriage this is the first one it's great what came out of the marriage of Leah and Jacob well as a matter of fact to make a long story short she had half the tribe of Israel six of the tribes came from Leah. First son is Reuben. Now, if you notice the story of Leah, Leah, however she looked, she comes across with a happy attitude. The first son, Reuben, God sees me and he'll take care of me. Reuben means God sees. She had a positive attitude, all this. Now, remember, it was Reuben that uh, was one of those that spared Joseph. But if it wasn't for Joseph being spared, the whole Israel, the whole company would have been wiped out. So thank God for Reuben. It was the wrong marriage, right? He wasn't supposed to marry Leah. He had his mind to it. Next son of Leah was what? i got to look at my notes. <laughs> Simeon means God has heard me. Shion. Simeon. No, maybe this time. Good old Simeon. The next son was what? Levi. Yes, thank you. Levi. You know, Levi. Levi. Levi means maybe this time my husband will like me. Come together. Levi. Doesn't happen. Judah. What does Judah mean? The next the fourth son is Judah. What does Judah mean? Praise the Lord. I mean she always has a happy attitude about this. But the thing that amazes me was this was the wrong woman. And if it wasn't for Levi, you wouldn't have whom? Moses, the Redeemer. If it wasn't for Judah, you wouldn't have what? Jesus, the Redeemer. Thank God for wrong marriages. <laughs> Boy, God has the last laugh on Jacob, too. And you know, Jacob's going, he's kicking himself. I can imagine him now. I married Leah. I wanted Rachel, who I wanted the whole time. Little did he know what Levi would produce. Little did he know that what Judah would produce. She also has two more kids after that. Or three more kids. She goes on. She has six in all. Uh, she has one called Dad. <laughs> yeah. Means the lucky one. <laughs> Fortunate one. Gad. The next one she has. Oh, this is actually Suzilpa. Uh, it's interesting, chapter 30 says, and Leah saw that she had left off bearing. You know, you can leave off bearing for a while. Zazilpah, the maid has it. Gad, and then there's Asher. Asher means happy one. Yeah, means the happy one. Next couple of kids there. She has is Issachar. Now she has Issachar. Now, the reason why she had Issachar was because one day uh, her oldest son, Reuben, came in with some mandrakes. Now, you know what mandrakes are called? In my Bible, there's a footnote. Mandrakes are called love apples. I don't know what love apples are. 
know what mandrakes are? Tell me, any, anybody know? Larry? It's a, it's a plant the community, regardless of having Aphrodisiac. Yeah, it was an aphrodisiac. So uh, Rachel, Rachel comes up to Leah and says, Can I have... Uh-oh. Uh, Rachel says this. Now, everybody's going to get the flu. <laughs> everybody's going to say tonight, oh, no. But don't worry, all things work together for good. Rachel comes up to Reuben and comes up to Leah and Reuben and says, I'd like to buy your, your mandrakes. That's, that's, that's what I want to have. And Leah says, wait a minute now, you're going to take my husband and now you're going to take my son's mandrakes. Wait a minute, why can't I have my husband for a while? And Rachel says, okay. I'll let you have your husband. You give me the mandrakes. And she says, fine, it's a good deal. So Leah goes out to meet her husband coming in off the field and says, guess what, Jacob? You're with me tonight. That's what the text says. I don't know what Jacob says. There's no response from Jacob. She has a kid out of that one called Issachar. And Issachar means my reward. Still positive about the whole thing. The next, she has another son. The next son is called Zebulon, means God has finally made me to dwell. Maybe my husband will love me. All those children that Leah had, all because of the wrong marriage, all because of the joke Laban played on the covenant head. God has the last laugh. You see the humor in that. I mean, it's not a mocking humor. But you see how God brings that out. You can go through story after story on the same incident. It ends up uh, with Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, and Joseph, who they thought was going to be killed, because Joseph, they thought, was dead. Guess what? They end up. Joseph has the last laugh, as it really were. Joseph says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant meant it for good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save many people alive. God has the last laugh. The covenant people have the last laugh. Let me give you another text. Just a few more. Uh, first Samuel. Turn to First Samuel. First Samuel chapter 2. And here you go through the, the, the same scenario again. You have this fella. But they have two. And the first one she has all the kids. Hannah has none. And why is it that way, Lord? Why is it that the one that he loves? And of course, uh, uh, Sarah, uh, Hannah's husband argues with her. He said, look, I'm as, I'm as good as any son, but better than any son. There's an arrogant fellow for you. Why have any other children? I'll take the place of all the children. No, it just doesn't work. I've got to have my own kid. And she prays. And you know the story about that. And she finally, God answers her prayer. And this is the answer. This is the response of Hannah, her prayer and her song. 1 Samuel chapter 2. Notice what it says. She gets her answer from God. 1 Samuel 2. And Hannah prayed and said, now notice this, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies. That's what my translation says. That's what a large mouth is. Right? Now, if you take that literally, it says, my mouth is enlarged. Now, some translations, uh, if anybody has a new IV, what's the NIV say? Boast in the Lord. Well, literally, I, literally the idea is my 
mouth is wide, you see. She's laughing. This is laughter. This is hilarious. I have my child from the Lord. He's made me to exalt. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. She's got something to laugh about. She can look back at the first wife and say, Aha! God has answered my prayer. And thank God for Ishmael. Because he becomes judge in Israel. What, is, what, what famous and important thing does Ishmael do? What does he do? He anoints David, the king, yeah. Samuel, I'm sorry, Samuel anoints David, right? What did I say? Right, see, I'm still stuck on Ishmael. (laughs) Samuel anoints the next king. Thank God for that. Now turn to Psalm 115. Let's finish up with this one. Her mouth is enlarged because she has the last laugh. And you can see story after story of God working His providence out. The most ridiculous things possible happen. And God is trying to teach us that His salvation is gracious. He'll use a woman to bring in the seed. Never thought it could happen. Psalm 115. He gives us a song here. Now the problem is, if you don't sing it, you can't feel it. If we read it, let's just read uh, an excerpt of Psalm 115. 115 verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy loving kindness and for thy truth's sake. Why? Verse 2. Why should the nation say, Where is your God? See, they're mocking. Now comes the mockery point. Why should they have to do all the mocking? Why should they have to do all the laughing? Where now is your God? The response in verse 3. But our God is in heaven. That's where our God is. There's nothing to laugh about. Our God is in heaven. And He does whatsoever pleases Him. That's the kind of God He has. Here's the psalmist boasting in the Lord. And then he sings the song. Now it's interesting. This is, this is all of a song. Verse 4. They have idols. Their idols are silver and gold. The work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet they have, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them shall be like them, and so forth and so on. I didn't quite get that. You know, I was just kind of reading through that thing, his description of an idol and all this kind of stuff. I didn't get it until, until I started singing the thing. And we have it in our hymnal, our Psalter hymnal. I wish we had I wish we could sing it here. So I'm gonna do it. And I'm not a singer. But it goes like this. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name glory give. For your steadfast love and grace, for your covenant faithfulness, why should he then nation say, Where now is their mighty God? It keeps going now, get the context. But our God in heaven is, he does all that pleases him. Their gods are of silver gold, fashioned by the hands of men. They have mouths but do not speak. 
they have eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear. They have noses but don't smell. They have hands but do not touch. And so forth. You see, you got to sing that one out to really catch the. They have noses but they don't smell. You know. They have feet but they don't walk. This is God's laughing at the idol. This is our opportunity to laugh back at them. Look at their God. Our God is in heaven and He does whatsoever pleases Him. You put your God up to Him. Yeah, He has a nose, but He can't smell. Yeah, He has hands and you can see Him, but He can't do anything. Yeah, He has feet, but they can't do anything. Yeah, He has eyes, but He can't see and ears, but He can't hear. Who's laughing now? Oh, Israel, trust in Jehovah. You see, it turns it. Jehovah turns the whole laughter around and it becomes the righteous the righteous ones to laugh. There's the song. We laugh at that. There's the mocking. You know, the idol does have a face to it. The idol does have a face, but we don't have to be afraid of that face. We can laugh at that face because God gets the last laugh. The righteous will prevail. Let me end up with this story. You ever seen the movie Mosquito Coast? You haven't seen that one yet? You haven't seen that one yet? You saw that one. Very interesting, Rod. Because this song came to mind. It's about this fellow who's disgruntled, real fast, disgruntled with society and so forth. And he's kind of an eccentric and he's from some uh, Ivy League uh, university, but he quit in the middle of all that. And he gets upset about uh, living in the United States and uh, very disgruntled and upset. So he wants to have his own island, his own company, his own land. Well, he's also an inventor and he's made an ice machine, a little teeny weeny ice machine that he can stoke up with a fire and with the fire create ice cubes. Isn't that marvelous now? But nobody likes his idea. It's impractical to stoke up this thing with ice cubes. Uh, but he says, you know what the solution to the world's problems is? Air conditioning. Air conditioning. We need to make ice. If people had ice, they would be comfortable. If they're comfortable, they don't fight with each other. If we make people comfortable, that's the idea. So we went down to the Amazon. He found a little a village there with hardly anybody in it. He bought the village. And he, he, he constructs his dream, right? And he builds... Almost, right. He builds this huge ice machine. Enormous three, four-story ice machine. And you look at it. It's very interesting, the cinematography on this thing. You look up at this huge ice machine and it has ears and it has eyes and it has nose and it's a marvelous looking machine. And he says, okay, now it's constructed. Let's turn it on. So they turn it on. They have these propane tanks around the thing and they light the fire under the thing and pfft, the smoke goes out. Pfft, the smoke goes out the nose and finally they open up the door and there's ice. This is marvelous. He's found ice. This was his God and it was fantastic. And he, and he actually goes over to the next tribe. He takes his little cube of ice and he wants to show them that they also can have ice. And if you can have ice, you know, civilization and peace and harmony in the world. He gets to the other tribe and guess what's happened to the ice? It's gone, melted. Oh, well, we'll try again. But lo and behold, these, indivis- these uh, bandits of some sort, they come and uh, take over his little, his little domain. Oh, this is awful. What does he do? He can't get rid of them. This is how he gets rid of them. He finally decides, they have guns too. He finally decides to lock them inside. He tricks them and locks them inside this, this ice machine. And then while they're asleep, the sun crawls up to the top and drops down some explosive or, or actually starts it all up. 
and they're going to freeze to death. That's how he's going to kill them. But he doesn't realize they have the machine guns. They have the guns. And they get up, you know, they're freezing cold, and they start spraying everything. And guess what they do? They hit the propane tanks. And guess what happens? Boom! The whole thing goes sky high, and out come the ears, and out come the eyes. His God's gone. It's gone. The whole experiment is completely destroyed. His God was gone. It had eyes but could not see, and ears that couldn't hear, and a mouth that couldn't speak, and feet that couldn't walk. And it's the missionary that he hated that had the last laugh. The missionary had the last laugh. He lost his God. He lost his idol. That was it. Let me leave you with one verse. We have to learn to laugh, laugh as God teaches us. Mosquito Coast. Maybe I made it up. <laughs> Let me leave you with this last verse. Here's the Sermon on the Mount. Here's the Sermon on the Mount. Luke 6:20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed, happy are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. See that word blessed means to be happy. But in the real joyful sense of the term, do we have the last laugh? Verse 21, Luke 6, 21. Blessed are you that hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you that weep now, for you shall laugh. And we laugh because of Jesus Christ. All things work together for good to those that love Him, to those who are called according to His purpose. Remember when you stubbed your toe? Remember when they fired you? Remember all those things? The kids got sick and all the, all the headaches and everything else that happened. You can look back on that and you can laugh now because all things work together for good to those that love God or call according to His purpose. We can laugh at those things and we'll have a, a tremendous laughter for that. The people of God are called the laughing ones right from the heart. Real joy. Real humor. God's humor that saves from sin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the laughter that you created in your, among your covenant people. And so often your own people don't take advantage of the laughter. That you get the last laugh. You laugh the wicked into derision. And yet there is a joy and there is a laughter that your people have. You brought salvation by way of evil men trying to kill off your son. And lo and behold, we're saved in the end. It is marvelous that we can laugh at that. Not in mockery anymore but because we really have happiness. Lord, teach us real laughter in Christ. No more sadness, no more mopingness, but laughter in Christ. For Jesus' sake, amen.